0: to the go in the distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. twitter's at IMAX sports
1: instagram is also at a sports
0: tiktok youtube immaculate sports it's episode 142 another good one tuesday night here i mean mlb the season do we know anything more We got a couple teams kind of sneaking up for divisional spots. We're going to talk about NBA finals preview, uh, the official one. It's going to be the the same one we talked about last week, surprisingly, but um, Mm -hmm. new things to talk about there. And are the Warriors fucked with the new CBA? All coming up next on episode 142.
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and hop right into it. With the opener, and I'm going to the A's reliever, Lucas Erceg. And more specifically, his outing that he had last night against the Atlanta Braves in the A's 11th win of the season. Erceg came in after five strong strong innings from Paul Blackburn. And Erceg was perfect, man. Uh, Nine batters faced, nine outs recorded, with the full three innings, of course, no hits, no runs, uh, no walks, four strikeouts, lowers the season ERA down to 1.29. Urseg is a great story from Menlo, California. So here in the Bay Area uh, was a second round pick in 2016 as a third baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers.
0: And so
1: he just actually recently changed to being a pitcher in 2021. And he has also struggled with alcoholism and stuff like that in the past as well, too. So he, I believe now is just, just over two years sober, and uh, he's been shoving for the A's since he made his debut in Houston a few weeks ago. And uh, much needed bullpen help for the A's because we've been struggling in that area for the entire year. For
0: sure. Uh, I'm going to go with some college baseball here. My Cal State Fullerton Titans advancing once again to the Stanford Regional. They won the uh, the Big West, you know, uh Big upset this season. Uh, Kyle's UCSB Gauchos were supposed to win it, and they had a big collapse at the end of the year. So Fullerton back in the Stanford Regional. That's with Stanford, Texas A&M, and San Jose State. Uh, The last time they played, Cal State Fullerton had an awesome walk-off homer. They both ended up moving on, so maybe we'll see something similar again.
1: Maybe. We'll see. We'll see.
0: Let's just get into the player, or
1: yeah, player, pitcher, rookie of the week at the start, uh, but where's your head at? And
0: uh, let's just get into the rookie first, and I guess we'll go our ways up from there. So who's your rookie of the week? I'm going to go with Matt Walner, the outfielder for Minnesota. And uh, it's not just because he had the highest batting average this week. Uh, I want to give some backstory for the listeners who don't know about Matt Walner. Former top prospect, taken longer than expected. Called up at the start of the season, started off 0 for 8 in the first, first week. Sent back down to AAA. Back up this week. His first week back hit 636. 7 for 11 in four games. Four ribbies. That's third amongst rookies. Awesome week. Uh, and an even better story.
1: My rookie of the week is a two-piece. Uh, first one is going to be Logan Allen, pitcher yeah. for the Cleveland Guardian. Seven innings, three hits. No runs, two walks, 10 strikeouts. Best Breakout. start in his uh, early part of his career, I guess. And uh, helping the Guardians out in a season that hasn't really gone to plan for them so far. And then the other one has got to be Francisco Alvarez. Eight for 20, three homers. A couple of them being Absolute Moonshots uh, with the eight RBIs mixed in there as well, too. Uh, Francisco Alvarez looks to be breaking out now at this point after kind of a bit of a slow start last year. As well as the beginning part of this year, too, when he just came up uh, about a month ago now at this point. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Pitcher of the Week.
0: My Pitcher of the Week's also going to be my Player of the Week. It's the Stroh Show, Marcus Strowman of the Cubs. Complete game showed out one hitter against Tampa Bay yesterday with eight Ks. Another quality start against the Mets earlier in the week. That's a 2 0 week with a 106 ERA over 17 innings. And he's my Player of the Week because. Um, yeah those are two two tough lineups to face, even though the Mets are struggling It's still a great lineup uh yeah so awesome for Stro, keeping the Cubs barely alive,
1: yeah, the Stro Show is my pitcher of the week that's pretty easy not too often we see uh, a pitcher with seventeen innings over yeah. a seven day span uh just because you know people aren't going that far now at this point uh but five hits allowed in those seventeen innings, two earned runs and uh 11 Ks, a little low, but that's completely fine. Cause it only really matters how many runs you're giving up Uh 0. 0.47 whip over that 17 inning stretch there. Uh, my player of the week was actually not Mark Stroman. I went with Ryan McMahon who went 12 for 23 over this past week with four homers, 12 RBIs, Great and week. five walks uh, mixed in there as well too. So Ryan McMahon gets my player of the week honors. It's top 10 third baseman time, Oh, We did for, we did catchers. We did first baseman. We did second baseman. We're on a third base this week and then shortstop next week. That one should be a lot of fun. Uh, but this one's going to be a lot of fun too. Do you have all, any honorable mentions or prospects that you want to mention before we get into the 10?
0: I got some honorable mentions for you uh, because they're all pretty similar. Uh, Max Muncie, Patrick Wisdom, Ryan McMahon, uh, you know, to be – more precise there. Those three are more similar than the others, but uh, also shout out to Jimer Candelario key, Brian Hayes. It's, great name. it's a stack position. So I, I had to make sure I talked about those guys. Cause you know, Muncie is 17 homers and he's yeah. not on the top 10. That's how great. The third base list is.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I want to break my honorable mentions up into five different groups here. Oh. Uh, first of which is going to be the prospects junior Caminero Uh, who's a prospect for the Tampa Bay Rays is 19 years old, and he's absolutely shooting up these prospect lists right now. Uh, Probably going to be, you know, a top five to 10 prospect here in a year or so once some of the other guys graduate and he continues to rake. Uh, But yeah, only 19 years old and the Rays are just getting better and better as it goes on. And then Casey Schmidt is another one as well, too. Gold glove level defense has has obviously shown uh, a bit of power since he's came up in the big leagues as well, too. Uh, So those are the two guys there. The next group is the non-prospects who just aren't quite good as a top 10 yet. And those are Gunnar Henderson and Brett Beatty. Yeah. Both guys that we'll probably see on this list at some point in their career. Uh, Just as of this point right now, they're not quite there. Uh, Next list is the legacy guys. And I have Josh Donaldson, Evan Longoria, and Anthony Rendon sneaking onto that list as well, too. Guys who have had amazing careers, just are no longer top 10. Uh, next one is the key Brian Hayes group where you have generational defense, but you can't hit for shit. And, uh, that's exactly where Ke Brian Hayes is right now. And then, uh, the last group is Eugenio Suarez, JD Davis, Jake Berger, and Yohan Moncada. these guys are, uh, the decent group. Uh, but that's
0: where we're at yeah. right now. Uh, so let's get into number 10. Number 10. I have Josh Young of the Rangers representing the young Group here, very similar to to the other notables with big power, low contact, low fielding. But but Young will be a mainstay on this list for the next couple of years. So he's gonna get the nod for me now.
1: Yeah. Josh Young is also number 10 on my list. Nice. Uh 114 WRC plus over this first year and a half, kind of being in the bigs. I guess is kind of around a full year now at this point. I actually, bit under that at uh at 76 games played so far in his career. Strikeout percentage is a bit high at 32%. That's not really too good to be on there. And the walk percentage is a bit low at 5.7% too. But he's starting to come around over this past month or so. So I guess I gave a little bit of a recency bias with him. But Josh Young is definitely going to be, you know, the guy that's probably a mainstay on this list over, you know, the rest of his career.
0: Next guy, number nine, number nine. I'm going to go with Isaac Paredes of Tampa Bay ranking this year. You know, a contact guy who's keeping the 20 plus Homer pace. Uh, it's 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 hard to rank the Tampa Bay guys, though. He started 15 games at first base already this season, but he is qualified for third. Uh, so be, because he's kind of a confusing player, he's a little lower than uh, some other guys we talked about uh, from Tampa Bay down the other positions.
1: Number nine for me is going to be the true three outcome guy, Max Muncy, uh, who hits a ton of homers, walks a ton, and also strikes out a ton as well. Too three point seven WAR over these last uh, 185 games for him, which are comprised of this year and last year as well. Too uh, again, another one of those guys who is having a really good year this year uh, with 17 homers, but isn't did not have a good year last year. It's uh, only hitting 199 over these past uh, you know 185 games, like I mentioned. And uh, that's why he's not higher on this list, despite being close to that 20 homer mark already, not even being two months into the season.
0: Number eight. Number eight, Alex Bregman of the Astros. Don't let the uh, 230 batting average confuse you. He's still on pace to be just as good, if not better than the past couple of seasons. You can always trust Bregman. Runners in scoring position, his defense in the field. He's the best American League third baseman defensively still and more walks than case. And for those reasons, I, I trust Bragman a lot than, than the other guys we mentioned.
1: I put Isaac Parades at number eight. Uh, obviously, like you said, he's kind of a yeah. bit interesting uh, with defensive wise, because he's played first. I believe he's played a bit of second as well, too, uh, but 160 games over this past year, and he's got a 4.0 war. So that's pretty solid there. 124 WRC plus, Uh, And he's kind of, you know, medium numbers for strikeout and walk percentage uh, and fits right into that uh, Tampa Bay team. And it's been a lot of different year from this year to last year for Paredes. I think the power we're seeing a bit less this year, but he's, you know, striking out way less and not chasing much at all. Uh, So Paredes is a guy who is trending upwards on this list uh, from what he was doing last year uh, compared to this year. So I, I like him to be within the five or six range maybe once we see Like a uh, Arenado kind of dip a bit later Mm. in his career or or even, you know, Bregman and and Machado when they start getting up into their later 30s.
0: Number seven. Number seven. I have a shocker here. I have J.D. Davis. He's been everything that Bregman would have wanted to be over the past year and a half. And over that time, he's been the Giants most consistent position player. I guess you could say in the the post-COVID era after that that crazy year they had. Um, You know, 280 for a power hitter is great. He's also a top 10 defender at the position. So right now is yeah. Off of what metric off of uh, D war on fan graphs. Oh, I do not see that same statistic on there,
1: but, uh, okay. Rafi is the guy that I have at number seven, uh, a guy who, you know, it feels like he should be a bit higher on this list. But when you look at some of the stuff that he's been doing over this past year and a half, it's just not as good as what it might may might have been made out to be by the media. Still, one thirty one WRC plus is amazing. Five point six WAR over the past year and a half. Uh, Seven point three walk percentage is a little low compared to some of these other top third basemen, and nineteen point two strikeout percentage is kind of you know right around that range as well too. So, Graffy, uh, you know, decent defender, solid hitter. Fits right into the middle of this list at at number seven. On to number six.
0: Number six, I have Austin Riley, another guy with a slow start, but it's hard to ignore how much power he has and will continue to use for the rest of his what should be a long career. And uh, I I know he's had his ups and downs over the past couple of years, you know, MVP candidate to a guy who you can't start every day. Uh, But right now he's settled back in at number six.
1: Number six for me is going to be where I slot Matthew Chapman, or I guess Matt Chapman. I don't think he really goes by Matthew. Uh, But yeah, Chappie's defense has dipped quite a bit since he's left Oakland, but he's still, you know, a solid defender. But the bat has gotten quite a bit better Uh, especially this year uh, compared to these past few years. And I think that's probably because he's starting to be really fully healthy from his hip injury in uh, 2020. And I know Mm. that was a bit of a weird thing there because that injury happened over three years ago now at this point. Uh, But 2021, he kind of got rushed back. 2022 was a bit interesting with the certain things that you were able to, you know, get as far as services during the lockout. And then this year, he's kind of, you know, got that full year to kind of settle in in Toronto and do that stuff there. So he, uh, He's in a good spot over there in in Toronto and uh, 122 WRC plus, you know, isn't as high as Rafael Devers, but he's obviously quite a bit of a better fielder there. Uh, Strikeout percentage is high, but that's gone lower this year. And same thing with the walk percentage starting to get a bit better this year too. So uh, I like Chappie at six uh, and that brings us to the top half of the list at number five.
0: Yeah. Number five is where I got Rafi, Uh, the man rakes, Every day, third and slugging for third base, even though it's been a down year is great. And he's actually played amazing defense. And, and here's where maybe, uh, there, there just is no, no real answer to defensive metrics yet, because you know, the list I was looking at, I, and again, I, I've taken it with a grain of salt. It said Rafi was the best defensive third baseman behind Arnato Uh, I don't really believe that, but, and that's why he's fifth and not second. Uh, But I still think he's awesome. He's at the number five spot.
1: Yeah, number five for me is going to be where I put Alex Bregman. It's been a really, really rough year for Bregman. He's uh, OPS around 730, so comparative to these past years for him, he's just not the same level. But I think he's still kind of settling in, and we see a lot of these slow starts with Astros guys. Uh, And then in June and July and August, they really turn into those, you know, Mm -hmm all-star MVP level players Uh, and Bregman is is one of those guys 6.4 war over this past year and a half he's also played 208 games so you're seeing the durability with him Uh, 126 WRC plus and a walk percentage that is higher than his strikeout percentage is probably the biggest thing to note out Uh, and I you know I mentioned that for every single dude their walkout and strikeout percentage and that's something I've been super big on this past year you got to get on base Skyler I agree. That's so all about, and we were get, just talking about that with the A's. Yep. And Bregman does exactly that. One of the highest walk guys in the uh, entire league, as far as third baseman goes. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Breg, at Number five,
0: number four, number four, I'm going to go Jay Ram here. Uh, it, he was really close for me with, with Rafi Devers and Austin Riley. But the thing is, he's faster than both of them, better in the field than both of them, walks more and K's less than both of them. He's a switch hitter and, and we know he's clutch. He was great in the playoffs last year and uh, they're having a down year as a team right now, but J Ram hasn't really slowed down. He's number four.
1: Yeah. Austin Riley is going to be my number four guy. Uh, just having a total, I'd say better season than Bregman over these past, or I guess season and a half now at yeah. this point, point. Uh, 6.5 war ranks, I believe third or fourth within third baseman in this entire category. Uh, one thirty six WRC plus ranks fourth, uh, but this list also has the Andy DS on it. So I guess he's third uh at that point. And uh strikeout percentage a little high, walk out percent walk percentage is a little low, but then again, he's in the middle of a lineup in Atlanta where you're not gonna get walked. You have to be pitched to and uh kind of slumping a little bit, but still one of the best, you know, third baseman in the entire leagues when uh when he's going hot. Yeah. On a number three.
0: Number three. I got Manny Machado of the Padres. Manny Machado's obviously been been playing hurt for a while, so I'm not going to analyze his numbers from this season too hard. But he's still a, a near five-tool player when healthy, and he belongs in the top three. Uh, another guy who, no matter what the situation is, you can all, always trust Manny, and, You know, whether it's third base or shortstop. Uh, love Manny. Yeah. When he's not throwing bats at the ace. Let me make that clear.
1: Valid. That was like ten years ago, though. So yep. we're we're in the clear there. Number three for me is going to be where I slot Jose Ramirez. Uh, seven point five WAR does rank third in the entire third base category of this past year and a half. Uh, this guy's just Mr. reliable man. One thirty-two WRC plus, solid defense. Uh, is able to run the bases probably the best out of any third baseman in the entire league. Uh, Stone base numbers, I guess, have dipped a little bit over these past few years as he's starting to you know, become more valuable to his team. They don't really want him to run as much, but definitely could if he wants to. Another one of those guys where his strikeout and walk numbers are pretty much the same. Uh, and he's just a stud all around. Jose Ramirez, number three, one of the still probably most undervalued guys in the entire league.
0: Number two. Number two, Matt Chapman. Of the Blue Jays, uh, I'm I'm keeping him up here, Kyle, because he's been one of the most consistent hitters in MLB since he's fully recovered from the hip. Just like you were talking about, I, I see the same thing. I agree. I think he was rushed back, and and he found it. You know, he he's been right there with Arenado defensively over his career. He's dipped, like you said, but I'm gonna still take a, a slightly regressed Matt Chapman over anyone else other than Arenado in the field.
1: Yeah. Uh, number two for me is going to be where I put Manny Machado. Uh, I feel like his numbers this year are a bit tainted just because mm. of how rough of a start he got to. And now that he's hurt, uh, we won't really see those numbers obviously go up for a while. And then once he comes back, he's likely not going to you know, get right into it as well. Uh, so we're probably going to see his numbers dip a little bit this year, but I don't think we should make too much of a deal out of it. Uh, because when you look at last year's numbers and stuff that he's done in the past, he's just one of the most consistent guys when it comes to being at this position, great defender, right hitter, of course, as well, too. Uh, only thing, sometimes he seems a little lazy, but that's okay because he's, you know, when you look at the talent side of it, he's a perennial all-star, uh, an MVP level talent. So, uh, Manny Machado number two, uh, but we all know who's going to be number one mm-hmm. and has been number one on this list for,
0: five, six, seven straight years straight. Yeah, Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals, despite having career lows to start off the season, he's not very far behind the rest of these guys and probably going to catch him too because he's on fire. I mean, he even saved St. Louis from a perfect game the other night. You know, he, he's just, he's always there when you need him. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer and nothing I can think of other than a massive hip injury because that seems to be what gets the third baseman uh yeah. is going to take him down from the top spot.
1: Yeah. Nolan Arenado, uh, as far as WRC WRC plus goes, he's got the same as Manny Machado, but he's a better fielder uh and he's one of the best, you know, defensive third baseman of all time. Uh when we look at this stuff, he uh he's going through a terrible slump this year. I think he's been very streaky. He started off super super slow. And then he got hot for about a week and a half where he hit like seven or eight homers. And then from there he slowed down. So his numbers don't look, you know, super crazy right now. Yeah. He's going to pick it up at some point, especially when the St. Louis team and you know, turns it around quite a bit because they've been you know, going through it quite a bit this year, but he is, uh, he's known and he's going to be uh, a first ballot hall of famer, like you said. And, uh, just in general, one of the greatest defensive players of all time. You know, winning, winning a Gold Glove at the position for a decade straight is not something that you see too often. So, uh, no, sure. Yeah, give us Nolan at number one next week, though, Skyler. Shortstop. Shortstops. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Let me pull up the shortstop list right now because let's just rattle off some names. You know, you is know.
0: Jackson Holiday gonna be in your top ten? Shut up.
1: We can't <laughs> do that. He'll be in my honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, but Bo Bichette, Wanda Franco, Dansby Swanson, Tommy Edmonds now qualified top. Xander okay. Bogart, Jeremy Pena, how high will we rate him? Because he's overrated as shit, in my opinion. Uh, Frankie Lindor having a rough year. Bobby Witt, is he going to turn it on at some point? Carlos Correa, does his foot, you know, take him off the list? Who knows? Probably not. Yeah. Trey Turner, Jorge Mateo, Anthony Volpe, who needs to be sent down to AAA, and the one and only Javier Baez. As well as uh, uh, Ahmed Rosario, who some people think should be TFA'd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we're at right now. You and You know
0: where I stand on that.
1: Shortstops next week. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about two shitty divisions with two teams that might sneak into the playoffs, even though they probably shouldn't. Uh, Detroit and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Could we really see these teams hosting playoff games in the 2023 playoffs?
0: Yes, the division is bad. Yes, Eduardo Rodriguez, Riley Green before the injury, of course, and Michael Lorenzen have been pretty good this year. So what, that's three fucking guys out of 26? I don't care. I I do not care at all about Detroit. The rotation is still 23rd, even though they've been the best they've ever been, uh, since Scherzer and Verlander, of course. Lineup is 26. They have the third worst run differential in the American League. They're not a good team. Uh, no. No. No way. Fuck no baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, both of these teams are not winning the division. I'm sorry. Uh, if it, it comes back to October and this is yeah. our World Series matchup, kill me because uh that it's not gonna be a good good matchup in the first place. But uh Minnesota when we look at the AO Central should yeah. be you know hanging around above them for the most part. Cleveland, we expect to see, you know, wake up on offense at some point. Uh, Chicago, you know, may probably not, but who knows? You know, they have a good team when healthy. They're just never healthy uh, and never playing good at the same time. So I don't think Detroit's really a problem in the AL Central. And yeah. then in the NL Central, you know, the Pirates have a, probably a higher likelihood to stick around just based off of some of the teams within this division uh, and with the Pirates kind of, you know, turning it turn it on in the beginning of the season to say the least uh but milwaukee is probably going to stick around just over 500 for most of the year cincinnati i will talk about in a segment or two because they got stuff brewing here in a little bit and then uh chicago and st louis we expect them to you know not be shit the entire season and uh yeah so I hope I hope these teams don't win the division. Nothing against them, except for the Tigers because they ruined my childhood in 2013 and 2012. Uh yeah. but no, they're not winning their divisions, and I don't think they're going to win it next
0: year or the year after that either. My Pirates spiel is that they're right about to fall off the face of the planet. They're very entertaining, but they're you know, alleged guy O'Neal Cruz isn't playing, then they're probably not going to get any better. The you know lineup's great, but it, it's it's Taylor Bednar and a bunch of bots that are going to come down to Earth. The average stretch in MLB will destroy this team. Sorry.
1: Let's talk about the Baltimore Orioles, who mm-hmm. just actually released some um, city connect jerseys a couple days ago. Uh, but this team has been on a run this year. Uh, we were kind of on the same page this year. That this team was going to be, you know, good, as same as they were last year, but they just weren't going to be able to compete with, uh, you know, the Rays or the Yankees or even Toronto for a divisional spot at the top. Uh, but we were wrong about that. Obviously, the Rays have had this historic run to start the season, but the, I mean, Baltimore is only three games behind them, despite mm-hmm. that crazy run by uh, Tampa Bay. Sitting at 35 and 20 right now, three games out of the division lineup is absolutely loaded with talent. Uh, prospects loaded with talent as well too,
0: Scott, do you think this team is a legitimate World Series contender? I think they are, but it's the same problem that the Rangers have. The pitching's been carried by guys who aren't gonna last until late October. They have to must make some trades, especially after figuring out Grayson Rodriguez probably not going to be ready to go again this season for at least another month or so, at least his first stretch in the bigs being that poor you have to adjust for, but you know, the lineup's really deep, still growing every single day with the prospects they have too, and you know, the prospects who have now graduated and are now hidden every day and hidden. Great. The defense is dead last. So it's, it's very confusing. They're likely a year off, but Hey, Washington and Atlanta accidentally won it a year off. A couple of years ago so uh you know it, it, i'm not going to rule them out
1: i uh as much as i want to say yes because i love watching this team this is one yeah. of my mob tv teams of the year i'm saying no uh, the starting rotation is just too as much as i like i'm not a big guy off of name value i don't think name value should really you know derive how you feel about a certain team and their yeah. potential look at the mess. But that's exactly how I feel about this team. Like, there's no way, you know, Kyle Gibson and Dean Kramer are going to start game three and four. And, you know, the ALDS and you feel confident about it. I know Tyler Wells has been amazing this year. Gibson's been a solid guy, but they need Marcus Stroman to be on the like team. It. And that's exactly the leader in their clubhouse who can, you know, turn over that team to all have that dog mentality in them because their bullpen does Cano's got it. Batista's got it. Uh, Danny Colomay's got it. Cause he's been going crazy this okay. year. Brian Baker's got it. They got dudes in their bullpen, but the starting rotation just doesn't say it to me. Uh, Marcus Stroman, if they add them could be like a ALCS team, if everything goes right.
0: It just, it but seems still. like the kind of team that's like going to have so much momentum heading into the wildcard series and then just get swept by Houston.
1: No, oh, dude, I hope not. But, uh, Yeah, I think i definitely take, you know, Tampa or or Houston uh, when we we come down to it as far as, you know, the playoff experience when it comes to that. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be valuable for these guys, you know, Atlee, Gunner, uh, Mateo, Cedric Mullins, Santander to get experience and their feet wet in the playoffs. But uh, it's just not their time yet, unfortunately. Moving on to the next one. This one is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Who's the next big guy, Skyler, coming up? Because it seems like we get a few guys every single year that come up and just set the league on fire, whether whether they're a top prospect or whether they're a guy outside the top 100. There's a few guys every year that do that for us. Who is the next guy, Skyler?
0: You tell me. I have no doubts about this. As soon as I started thinking about it, I knew immediately who would be. 100% Kyle Harrison, the Giants' starting pitcher. He just won the PCL pitcher of the week he's ready to go he's the best pitcher in the PCL that's the, the Pacific Coast League AAA of all the West teams the Giants are in this thing only four and a half back of the Dodgers three of Arizona they're looking for any tricks they have up their sleeves and this one seems pretty obvious to me this guy should be up pretty soon
1: I'm going with a few guys from the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. Uh, and the reason why I didn't talk about the Reds earlier is because I wanted to make this point with them and them being, you know, NL Central possibly team to be as soon as next year with the guys that they have coming up. And the first guy, I'll talk about the frontliner, L.A. De La Cruz coming up probably, you know, within the next couple months or so. Uh, hitting 304 with a 401 OBP right now, OPS over a thousand in AAA, despite, you know, missing the first month of a year with, uh, I think he like broke his hand, I want to say, uh, but 11 homers, 33 RBIs, 22 walks, 43 Ks is a bit high, but also 11 stolen bases in that time period as well too. We know his threat of, you know, being a 30, 30, or even potentially or having the potential to be a 40, 40 guy, uh, and he's 21 years old. He's going to set the league on fire because he hits the ball insanely hard. He's going to be one of those guys that gets posted about for hitting, you know, a ground ball to second on MLB's, doc, MLB's uh, yeah. Instagram. Other guy I want to talk about. Uh, not as big as a prospect, but still, you know, within the top five or top seven for Cincinnati. He was acquired in the Tyler Molly trade last year. That's Christian and strong. Mm-hmm. He absolutely kills the ball. WRC plus sitting at 166 this year in AAA. Uh, average, if we just want to go over those, you know, basics, that's in 341. Slugging percentage over 700. Uh, good for an OPS just under 1.1. 13 homers already this year. Uh, ten doubles in there as well too. So he's you know scorching the ball, getting a ton of extra base hits. Uh, plays first and third base. Oh, Joey Votto, you know, kind of being out of the picture a little bit. Yeah. see yes is gonna they need some in bats. there. And yeah. Have no problem. And uh, you know, another guy I guess who just got called up, Matt McClain
0: was UCLA.
1: Absolutely insane in uh, AAA this year with a 191. WRC plus he's in 357 in the first 20 games of his career. So he's, he's been amazing. And the Reds, man, they're going to have a, you know, crazy lineup. Once they get Spencer steer, Jonathan India and all those guys, TJ Friedel, uh, shout out, you know, foothill high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, they also got a uh, Hunter green, Nick Lodolo, Brandon Williamson, uh, Andrew Abbott's another big guy. who's going to be coming up here soon. And the Cincinnati Reds, you know, it doesn't take much to be good in the central, and they yeah, got a lot true. coming up here soon. So uh, I like that as my pick here in a little bit. Okay. Uh, Last one before halftime, or I guess, you know, second whatever half, whatever you want to call it. Cause yeah. uh, we don't really have a second half, Uh, but we're two months into the season. Season started, I believe on March 31st and it's, you know, May 30th, you know, four hours away from May 31st. So we're two months in the season. Who's your world series pick, Skylar
0: right now. My World Series pick is the Dodgers, the number one lineup in the NL. They've kept a top 10 pitching staff through all the bullshit this year. Urias is struggling. Don't care. Kershaw is back to looking like an award winner. Dustin May out two months. Don't care. Bobby Miller looks just as good. Both turners at the open market. Outman looking like the number two guy behind Carroll for NL Rookie of the Year. And somehow they're keeping the veterans afloat, too. J.D. Martinez, Max Muncie, Jason Hayward all have big hits to win series this year. Uh, The Dodgers have impressed me the most out of any team so far this year. Um, And the National League has been a lot more competitive, too. So the American League, maybe we have uh, some pretenders we still don't know about yet. So I'm going to take the Dodgers over Houston or Tampa in six games right now. If you want to pick one, let me know that they play against
1: my uh AL team is the race. It's not even close for me right now. And those guys are kinda I think he called them pre- pretenders to me last week. Uh or maybe it was a joke, whatever it was. But uh this team is so legit, it's absolutely insane. Uh when you look at their starting pitching, Shane McClanahan Tyler Glasnow are really gonna be the two guys that kind of lead that push into the postseason with you know Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs being out. Yeah. Uh But Zach Eflin, Josh Fleming, guys like that can, you know, give you valuable innings in the playoffs and you don't need too much because you have all these dudes in your bullpen who are absolutely weirdos when it comes to throwing the baseball and, you know, get a ton of outs doing the craziest things. So I think they should be completely fine on the pitching aspect of it. And their lineup is a clutch. They're fun to watch. And you know, they have the ability to make a big trade at the deadline. If they want to, if say somebody gets hurt or whatever is going on there, uh, Just every single guy, man. I mean, Yandy Diaz is having a season right now where he is the best hitter in baseball. And I know Ronald Acuna is the guy that we talk about a lot. And, you know, when you look at the war perspective of it, when you include, you know, stolen bases and stuff like that, Ronald Acuna is going to be number one. But if you took out, you know, speed and stuff and you just look at hitting the best hit tool, yeah. Yanny Diaz is that number one guy. Uh, Wanda Franco has been amazing. Isaac Paredes, like we mentioned earlier has been amazing. Taylor walls is breaking out. Randy Rose arena has been amazing. Josh Lowe. I mean, this dude's a stud uh, Jose Siri. I love him. He's so fun to watch. Luke Rayleigh hits nukes and Harold Ramirez is being Harold Ramirez. I mean, he breaks uh, this team has got to be my pick uh, in the AL in the NL. I think you're safe going, you know, Braves or Dodgers. Hmm. Uh, I don't really think too many teams besides that, you know, really give us that look right now. Uh, I think, you know, if the Padres end up getting going, even though they've had a terrible start, they could be a team that we talk about in that same light. Uh, The Mets, but I don't really see anything, any team besides those four teams, maybe the Phillies, if things get going correctly there, Hmm. uh, to really have a chance. Uh, I don't want to pick an NL team because I don't really – you know, feel confident in anything. But I'm saying the Rays win the World Series. Okay. And uh, if that pitching staff, you know, gets any healthier, or they make a trade, whatever's going on there, I'm ready to give it to them right now. That's how confident I am.
0: Well, you know, I like I was saying, I feel a similar way about the Dodgers pitching staff. So I, I'd be okay with the rematch of that World Series. Really? Yes.
1: Different winner, though.
0: All right. All right, that's going right.
1: to do it for, where's your head at?
0: Uh, yeah. Let's go
1: ahead and send to halftime.
0: All right, welcome to halftime, second half, whatever it is. It's it's the non-baseball segment, and we're going to start it off with the NBA Finals. Once again, Denver and Miami, like we talked about last week, it actually happened. Wow, Miami pulls it out. Big game from Caleb Martin in Game 7. Um, Boston had a, a Complete shooting collapse over these past two games, and um, Miami got it done. So it's Denver and Miami, and once again, I'm going to take the Nuggets, and uh, I have the Nuggets winning in six games because Bam's not going to slow down Jokic. Unfortunately, I, I like Bam, but it's just not a good matchup for him, and Denver is built to pick apart this this zone defense that Miami just sat in the last two games, and Joe Missoula never made an adjustment. I, my MVP is going to be Jokic for the series for obvious reasons, but Gordon and Murray are going to get their shine. Jimmy and Caleb Martin, I think are going to have their big moments and make this competitive. It should be an entertaining series until it isn't anymore because Denver's got to be so happy. They get to play a team with limited rest and it's not Boston. So I, I think this is going to be a big series for Denver. Jokic finally gets his ring
1: yeah uh you'll see my exact pick once we get to our bold predictions but i just think them or not them but i think miami's just tired at this point yeah. and <laughs> nuggets are as rested as you could be when it comes to being in a pl- playoff series because they haven't played fuck have they played this year it feels like they uh i don't remember the last nuggets game my memory doesn't go back that far so uh Yeah, it's just I think it's gonna be tough to pick against them. All
0: right. Well, we're we're keeping the NBA news going here because the NBA agreed on a new CBA a couple days ago, and there's something really interesting about the salaries that we got to talk about because there are now big penalties for teams over the luxury tax. It's not just solved by owner spending anymore. Uh, If you are over the tax, Kyle, you won't be able to trade. Buy out players, extend players mid season. This pretty much means you can only have two guys on your team. You have to find those two dudes and the rest of your team just moves in and out every year. So teams like the Warriors and the Mavericks are going to be kind of fucked next season because they didn't prepare for this. However, it does make things interesting for teams like Atlanta, who you know, only have those two guys right now. And they might not be sure if they want to keep Trey Young and DeJounte Murray together. So that could be an easy flip for a Jalen Brown type guy, Houston, of course, a team that has a bunch of money and uh, James Harden could be interested in going back to San Antonio, trying to get someone to pair up with Victor while Victor's on a rookie contract and even Portland team that we know can get it done with Dame Lillard, but they can go in so many different directions I want to talk specifically about the Warriors here. Um, If they want to stay under the tax, uh, Poole has to be traded. If they want to sign any new rotational players, he can't be on the roster. Uh, And a change in front office recently with Bob Myers stepping down could spark this whole process a year early. We could have a completely new-looking team. Uh, I just wanted to get your opinions on this. I know you haven't... uh, looked a whole lot because it doesn't really matter yet it's going to be another year and a half
1: i uh yeah I don't, i'm not too sure i i don't really know how i feel about all this pools trade yeah. stuff uh it depends who's like in the package and whatnot but mm-hmm. uh i just want to win man i don't really all care right. what it takes didn't, didn't mean really to put you on the hurt. spot just,
0: just curious just on. yeah i just don't really know yet so, yeah, we'll we'll get more into this, uh, uh, especially, uh, you know, for the, the 25 season when everything gets kicked into full gear and full penalties. But it's just something interesting to talk about because the NBA is starting to shift weird and teams haven't really been able to build teams how they want. And now they can't. 100%. So <laughs> on to the last thing here in the second half, we got some football news. Superstar receiver DeAndre Hopkins demanded a trade from the Cardinals a couple weeks ago, finally granted his release by the Cardinals, who are going to eat $30 million of his contract this season and $25 million next season. Uh, and I like to say that officially ends the Kingsbury era. <laughs> the Bills and the Chiefs are the only confirmed suitors for Hopkins, but uh, he has put out a list of some teams he likes. I think Kansas City would be a pretty good option. They, they lost a bunch of guys. I know you don't want to hear that shit, but I don't want them to go to Buffalo. I'm not saying that you
1: don't want him to go. Nobody's winning. (laughs) If he goes to Kansas city, like what's the fucking point in the season. If he goes to Kansas city,
0: we'll send him to Cleveland with his, his buddy, uh, Deshaun Watson. They were tweeting at each other today. So that could be another possible landing spot. Yeah. That'd be okay with me. And uh, yeah. Other than, uh, you know, some Garoppolo news that we don't have to talk about. That's about it for the NFL. Just a little check-in before we get into camp. Uh, Hey, Quentin Williams and the jets, apparently a little closer do an extension whatever (laughs) and that's gonna do it for the second half for me right now quick second half let's get to the bets and let's get out of here
1: yeah uh layups last week went two for two uh i had Tampa bay over toronto on wednesday that did happen and then skyler had the astros over the a's oakland a's on saturday and that did happen for him because the a's got swept uh, this week, I have Houston over Minnesota on Wednesday. That is a Hunter Brown start versus Gus Barlin. Uh, give me Hunter Brown, man. He's been a stud recently, so I think he continues that and gets Houston a dub on, I believe, probably getaway day.
0: All right. Well, I'm going with game one of the finals. I got Denver. Just straight up money line. Denver's winning game one at home, 10 days rest. Great matchup for them. Uh I kind of feel bad for Miami. They're probably going to get smacked that game. Uh, last
1: week, bold predictions over for two for us. I had judge Homer in on Wednesday that did not happen. Uh, but he's still been on a tear and then Skyler had Tampa Bay over the Dodgers on Saturday. That Burschel is the one still game got it in that series, uh, that the Rays did not win. So that's unfortunate there. Yeah. Uh, this week I have Denver winning in exactly five games. I, I like think, it. uh, it's an interesting thing there. Uh, I think it's very tough to sweep a team regardless of how tired they are. Uh, So I say Denver wins the first two. I'll say Miami gets game three. Uh, Game four goes to Denver in a close one. And then game five, it's a blowout and Denver takes it home at home. uh, In mile, I guess that's not, I mean, it is
0: mile high, but mile high, we all know is, you know, so for my bold prediction, I'm taking a page out of Kyle's book. I'm trying to get more bold with my bold predictions. So I'm going to go with something that has only happened twice this month. A multi-hit game for Shohei Ohtani at Chicago the White Sox tomorrow night. Uh Shohei Ohtani's 8 for 18 in his career against Lance Lynn, who's been struggling, and that uh bullpen isn't great either this year in Chicago. So uh let's say Ohtani gets another one of those multi-hit games. If they pitch to him, this will happen. There's a chance they just they just walk him every time, but multi-hit by pitch game. <laughs> So yeah, I'm either. trying to get more bold. Uh and hopefully this one hits for
1: me too. I've seen uh I saw this guy on TikTok saying that the best betting strategy this yeah. year is to pick a guy going up against Noah Syndergaard and pick him to steal a base. Okay. So I guess he's allowed a ton of stolen bases this year. But uh I don't know. I'm not, you know, saying go do that or anything, but that's I yeah, just,
0: I bet on myself.
1: What I've heard. So uh That's going to do it for episode 142. It's a bit later than what we usually do because I was working and uh, Skyler was doing stuff. So uh, we will see you all next week on Tuesday for episode 143. And then from there,
0: we'll go from there, I guess. Hopefully our uh, finals predictions weren't too ridiculously bad. Uh, I have a feeling they won't be, but you never know in the NBA playoffs, especially when Scott Foster's there. It's true. All right, that's 142. Let's go, Fullerton Titans. Let's win the Stanford Regional. How about that? Shut up. Shut the fuck up.